everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Busted Header Podcast. I'm Chris, aka Not the Fake Webby, and I'll be joined by Halbertius, aka Hal, aka Jake. How goes it? Uh, good. So we have a little bit of admin here to do today, which is rare for us. Uh, we changed podcast hosts this week, um, just because the old yeah. one wasn't quite doing what we needed anymore. Um, so as we transition. Hopefully everything works. Hopefully you're hearing this. Uh, if you have to jump through hoops to get here and, you know, maybe we're not on your, your platform of choice anymore for some reason, please let us know. Um, we're moving over to Anchor, mm-hmm. which may let us do some fun things like play songs in the middle of podcasts and shit. I, I don't know. I, um, <laughs> so things, things may sound a little new, a little different. Not sure. Uh, but... If you're listening to this, the the worst uh, hasn't happened, and I there was some some risk that like I was gonna have to have everyone who was on like Apple platforms resubscribe and shit, which wouldn't have been great. But Ooh. hopefully everyone can hear it. That would not have been and, not have been uh, good. No. Yeah, admin over. All right, back to the basketball. Please, administration is All right. not my strong suit. So story. I'm gonna start. <laughs> no, it, it never is. I'm, I'm, I am um, an excellent so delegator, off, though. Honestly, was, <laughs> yeah, I'm well aware of that. <laughs> um, but I'm going to start off with some Pistons admin as well. The first thing I saw last week was that the Pistons, in all three games, they played hard, they played tough, they kept games close, despite, you know, who was playing. The, what was it, the Spurs game was on a back-to-back, um, so we saw a lot of people getting rest for that. But no matter who was playing, they kept it close until the very end. And the most important thing is, they lost all three games. So, yeah. in the tanking standings, I think we're uh, still a half game up over the Magic. They have one game yet to lose to catch up with us. Um, and we are still uh, trailing the Rockets and the Timberwolves, but the Timberwolves are a little bit hot now. They got uh, Cat back, he's playing good. So, maybe there's like an outside chance the Pistons could even drop into that... Uh, number two seed in the <laughs> the lottery yeah. in the tank, the one that matters. So, that is what that is what we like to hear. Yeah, Maybe we'll have some um, some Cade uh, commentary coming soon. Yeah. So in a similar vein, I guess maybe this is a good time to talk about some of this stuff. And I, I talked about it on Twitter a bit today, but this thing where people think that like maybe the team is too good, or maybe. Uh, people don't seem to think we're too good outside of Mike Valeni, uh, who can go fuck himself. Um, people seem to think that like the rebuild is going better than maybe it is, and like oh uh, next year maybe mm. we'll like win real games. Like y'all need to calm down. <laughs> this this is a long yeah. process, and it's it's better for the team if this takes you know if we have another year like this year, which I know people don't want to hear. Because this year has been hard to keep, uh, you know, Killian's injury was kind of a, a blessing in disguise because it's made this last 30 games a lot more palatable having something new to work with than uh, yeah. it might have otherwise been. But, like, I said it before, like, Cade Cunningham, you know, like, if you get him, even he isn't good enough to add, like, 12 wins to this team. And if he is, he's even better than I expected. Mm-hmm. 
like rook, a rookie Cade. <laughs> if he is, then <laughs> like yeah, a, a rookie Cade is might be worth four wins, might be worth five wins. Maybe Detroit ends up fifth in the tanking lottery next year instead of you know second or third. You know, maybe you end up in the like the Sacramento, Chicago, Toronto area as like a four hundred team if Cade has made a huge impact on you. That's mm-hmm. how do I put this? There's been some people who've been like, oh, we should, uh, you know, Troy Weaver should look to add, like, a couple of really good pieces this offseason and, like, really try and, like, push for play in tournament, push for eight seed, push for seven seed. And, like, no. <laughs> That's how you end up with the 2015 team yeah, nah. that, like, has Reggie and Tobias and Andre and doesn't actually have a star. Like, maybe mm-hmm. if you have Cade, maybe he's worth that and maybe it works out. But, like, let this team tell you when it's time to go because they've won too many games to keep tanking like if it's 2023 or the the 22-23 season and you're a you know you're like a 415 team and it's just clear that you're not going to make it into um you know true lottery range anymore to like really get the pick like maybe yeah you do a mid-season trade maybe that's the offseason you start to buy uh, you know, a free agent or two that really matters. This is not that time. Like, he, we should not be looking for the next Jeremy Grant. Um, you know, I mean, uh, you should be looking for the next Jeremy Grant. You shouldn't be looking for the next guy you pay Jeremy Grant money or more. Like, this is about clearing cap space, getting guys time, you know, a season of um, low pressure basketball next year for Cade, for. Evan Mobley for whoever comes in with this team, uh, a season of, of low ex not not low expectations but low pressure like this one for that rookie is really important. We don't need to rush this. You are not winning a title next year. There's no reason to be, um, you know, like w- what Washington is right now. Like that's not that much more fun than where you are now, and it doesn't have a much better future either. So that's that's my hey, little I'm catching rant. fucking strays over here with that. Whoa now, <laughs> but hey, uh, I I agree with your point as a whole. The Pistons are at best like three to four to five years away from even like really competing to get a playoff seed. I know obviously with the playing tournament, it's a little bit kind of skewered, a little bit simpler. Like they could stumble into like a ten seed, but as a whole, right now, the last thing the Pistons should be worrying about is winning. The one exception I do take with that is that. You kind of made it sound like the season has been like, you kind of made it sound like the season hasn't been better than expected, and I do kind of disagree with that. I think the Pistons I expected going into this year, I thought they were going to be near the bottom of the league. I didn't expect. I mean, obviously they are near <laughs> the bottom of the league, but I thought they were going to be like fighting for that like one Houston? spot in the lottery, <laughs> like fighting for the best odds, and maybe then some. Yeah. Now, mind you, Houston had a lot going on and. If Houston still had Harden, you can make an argument that the Pistons would be right there. But as a whole, I think with the kind of the impression or the surprises we got from Jeremy Grant and Sneak Bay, and you know up and down the roster with a you know a Josh Jackson playing really well, and a bunch of other good kind of uh, surprises, I would say for the Pistons, I think the team as a whole has done better than expected. I agree with that part. They are nowhere near close to contending for a playoff seed 
no matter who, <laughs> like, unless we're drafting, uh, like, a 22-year-old Michael Jordan, like, we're not, <laughs> we're not sniffing the playoffs. No. So I think the, the expectations definitely need to be tempered in that resolve, but I do agree with the underlying point, or I disagree with the underlying point that the Pistons have had a bad season, because I thought... They have been. They I, have exceeded expectations, in my opinion. I, I didn't mean to imply that. I, like they've they've done exactly what they should do. Like they've competed hard. They've tried to mm-hmm. win. You know, the, every player on the floor has tried to win, and Dwayne Casey has put out lineups that can't do it. Like that's you know that's how you're supposed to tank. Um, you know, but like we should be looking at a team like Memphis and Charlotte as examples here like both of these teams just kept kind of drafting and just drafting and they end up with a bunch of talent uh you know on a similar level as what Sadiq and Isaiah are right a bunch of like really good role players maybe they get a little better and maybe they're they're stars maybe they're not and you get four five seven Mm -hmm. eight of these guys on your team and suddenly yes you can make the trade for a superstar or when you draft the number one overall pick and it's the next LeBron, you know, it comes in, it changes everything in a snap. What you don't do is go chasing that talent on other teams. You don't go paying for that talent in draft capital. Don't go paying for that talent in terms of contracts. You don't want to have, you know, three Jeremy Grants on your team, which is to say like three guys who are all um, second or third bananas who are all making like real money that's not you know that's not the goal is, is my point and i don't i i've seen a certain level of sentiment growing where people might be willing to try that because they're tired of the tank and this team they they look at this and they're like oh well if you have a a killian plus one base uh you know, Stewart lineup, Bay Grant Stewart lineup, you know, all we need is maybe a, a, a good shooting guard. You know, maybe it's Josh Jackson really is that guy. Like, slow down. <laughs> slow your roll. It doesn't need to be like that. Yeah. We don't if need to do that. Like, we've had one year of the tank. If you're if you're tired of this, just get out now and just go watch, like, the Lakers or something. <laughs> because it's... I, there's no way around it. It's going to be a tank, and it's going to be ugly for a while. The here. best tanks this should are three be the expectation things. right now. Like the best ones are a three-year yeah. process, so. and that's if you get lucky and you get the number one overall pick. You know, that's that's what it is. So, um, yeah. What what else you got? Yeah. Let's see. So moving on, uh, the next um, real thing that I did notice was I feel like. We have we've touched on this, but I don't think we talked it, or at least I haven't talked about it much. Uh, which is, I got to give props to Plumlee's creativity and feel for the offense, and kind of, you know, it's not necessarily the spacing in the same sense of the gravity that you know a Steph Curry um, represents on the basketball court, but more in terms of the spacing on, you know, where he's at in the court. He's kind of an, in that sense, kind of an old-fashioned like big man who knows exactly where to be to get the ball. It's not always that he's put it up scoring a basket. Sometimes he's, you know, he gets the ball in the post and immediately passes it out for an open three in the corner or something like that. But um, just kind of his general creativity um, within the offense and kind of finding his own chance to, you know, like um, against the Pacers, for example. He had like a, what looked like it was going to be a dribble handoff with Jeremy Grant, faked it, went straight to the hole. The entire defense <laughs> had the confused Pokemon face or confused Pikachu face, <laughs> just like where'd he go? <laughs> but just kind of the the stuff like that, where 
I guess, I mean, I had never really watched Plumley much since he left Duke. I didn't really care for him when he was at Duke just because you know, he's a Plumley, he plays in Duke. Um, but kind of watching him play, you can kind of see, I hate to use a stereotype, but how smart the former Duke player is um, in terms of a basketball sense and how kind of creative he can get in this offense. And I just got to give some props to him and keep doing what you're doing because the Pistons need some of that <laughs> creativity and kind of, I guess, excitement on the floor. Where are my props? But where are my props? What props do you deserve? Because this is, this is my I told you so. <laughs> oh, I know. I, like I said, <laughs> Once again, mainly a I told you so. You were all antsy, all off-season about this. I told you so. All those people who were mad about Jeremy Grant, I fucking told you so. There, there are like four or five. All the people who were mad about the Wayne Ellington signing, I told you so. <laughs> I may not have uh, mad about the Wayne Ellington signing. <laughs> oh, people were people were pissed. Why? Why are you adding another guy? That's all he does is shoot. Like, yes, all he does is shoot. That's all he does. He's perfect for the tank. Shut up. That's if, I, there. I had several fights get, about the if Wayne. If you're Ellington getting upset over vet minimums. If you're getting in fights over vet minimum players, like you need to go outside and just go for a walk, <laughs> maybe find a different hobby. Like that's that's a little much. If you're getting upset, the you know a team like the Pistons are going to be awful. Signed a vet minimum player to just come in and be a good. Mate, you have guy. a podcast. You, like you, you got to shut up now. <laughs> this is this is a glass house and throwing stones yeah. situation. <laughs> I am well aware, <laughs> and I was not exactly the biggest proponent of Wayne Ellington being signed. I, I thought he was on his way out of the league uh, after his last season with the Knicks, but I was happy to be proven wrong in it. That being said, I wasn't, like, <laughs> getting into fights over the signing. <laughs> That's a little, I feel like, a little extreme for what was going to be, at best, an end of a roster spot. But Yeah. Hey, I forgot where we even started with this. Uh, Plumley. Yeah. <laughs> started with Plumley. Yeah. I mean, Plum. he's just, he's really smart. He knows what he's doing. He's got a good feel for the, for the ball. Like, there, there are some players, and... Uh, Killian's one of these, and I'll, I'll get to Killian here in a second. Um, there are some players who just like seem like they know how the ball should feel in their hands, and it's it like it's just really obvious that these are people who have like played a lot of basketball. And Plumlee's one of them. He just he knows how the ball should bounce, and that's uh, it leads me to my Killian mm-hmm. thing that I was going to do yeah. this week, which is that his hands are just outstanding. Um, like we've yep. we've seen the steals. It's what every girlfriend of his is. <laughs> We've we've seen the steals, um, and like, but it's also there's there are times where like there's a loose ball that bounces past him, and he like reaches out and just grabs it, and it's just these little like reaction moments and stuff where it's like oh, right he's just like he has whatever that it factor is, um, and like we see it on mm-hmm. the good defenders, pretty often. You see it a lot of times in the good passers. Just these are the people who know how the ball bounces, who know. You know how they need to to handle the ball to, you know, pass it a certain way, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's just one of those like it factor things to me. Where if I'm watching a prospect, it's like, oh, he has that. That's a guy who's played a lot of park basketball and who's just like done this before. Like <laughs> Seku doesn't have that, and it's probably because Seku grew up playing soccer. Like it's it's just one of those little mm-hmm. minutia things. Um, and Killian's hands are great. There, there's been like three or four times 
where like someone else has gotten a steal and the balls come like squirting out of a scrum and Killian's just like snatched it and it's like how did you anticipate that because like it's not the craziest yeah. thing to catch it but to see it recognize it anticipate it fast enough to catch it is a whole different thing than just like catching that ball if you know it's coming um and and yeah i i continue yeah, like to said, be really a lot impressed. like what i was talking about with plumley yeah yeah, yeah, it's a lot of just being in the right, like knowing where to be in the game and just understanding what's going to happen next, and that thinking you know three steps ahead instead of what's just happening in front of you. Yeah, and, uh, and it's yeah, just one of no. those things where every that's time I that, see it, you know, it's you like, would yep, not expect. That's the thing. Yeah, another one. Yeah, that's something you wouldn't expect to see from a rookie. Um, yes. So my last one. Um, this is a little bit, I guess, off topic, but. I just really like watching the Spurs play basketball. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter who's on the team, how good the team is. Like, some of, like, the passes that they make in some of, like, the plays that they run, it's just, like, there's there's not really a, another team in the NBA that really kind of doesn't like them. And I just, I just want to take a second to just appreciate that and watch that and enjoy it while we still have Pop, you know, in the league. Things we because, do I mean, not appreciate, Pop. He doesn't have, like... That haircut is... is- well, no, uh, bad. It's, it's bad. Pop looks like he's a that is about old to be man like a haircut kid or something. It's not great. The offense, though, gorgeous. It, it, I mean, I, every it just seems like he can somehow teach people to read. Beautiful. Like the the players on that team are not players who were historically great passers. But like Demar Derozan, no. he was like, yeah, you don't have to shoot threes. Uh, you can just shoot your mid range shots. Uh, but you're going to have to get, like, six assists a game. And they're going to have to be, like, Spurs assists. And mm-hmm. he got that out of DeMar. And, like, Derek White has just become, like, a really yeah. good catch-and-move, and like, passer. And all the all these players that were not people who I thought were uh, part of natural passers are now really good at it. And, yeah, they're, they're fun to watch because they, they do buck the trend quite heavily. You know they're one of the best three-point shooting teams, mm-hmm. but they take one of the lowest volumes. Um, you know they they assist on a lot of baskets. They're just they're really fun. They're always unique. I agree. Yep. And I mean he's doing it like he doesn't have this isn't Tony Parker, this isn't Tim Duncan, this isn't you know Kawhi. This is like Derek White, and this is like Keldon Johnson. <laughs> like he's just doing it with whoever is in front of him, and it's just it's insane <laughs> the amount of buy-in he gets from his players. The eternal so, Patty Mills. Props to him. I don't think there'll be another... Yeah. <laughs> there'll never be another pop. I'll say that. No. Um, so you got one more? One more from me. Uh, Sadiq Bay's road and home splits. Uh, they're kind of wild. Um, like, on the surface, yeah. they don't look that different. He plays about 26 minutes, scores a little over 11 points, about four rebounds, little over an assist a game. Uh, except at home, his true shooting percentage is 59%. On the road, it's 55 and a half. Uh, his uh, offensive rating and defensive rating are both better at home. Uh, his three-point percentage at home is 42%. His three-point yep. percentage on the road yep. is 34%. The weird thing, his free throw percentage... Uh, <laughs> is 75% at home and 95% on the road. <laughs> and he's taken more free throws by a pretty yep. significant margin on the road. Uh, he's taken 70 free throws on the road versus 43 at home. Uh, he rebounds more mm-hmm. uh, on the road. Just 
uh, kind of just really interesting that like especially as a shooter, he seems to just be so much better at the palace or not the palace but the pizza palace. Excuse me. Um, mm-hmm. There's you know we we just had the game <laughs> where he was like you. he was like six of six to start the game from deep, which was outrageous. Uh, or was it six to seven? I can't remember. I think he missed like the third one. Um, but it was just like outrageous. Yeah. And then he's had I, some games where he was like all of eight on the road, and it's ugly. Um, and hopefully that stabilizes for him. It's it's kind of fascinating to me because, um, normally you you'd think oh it's it's the crowd noise and the you know the energy and and whatever in a home building, but no, this is just like pure perspective and. Um, you know how how that arena feels to him, I guess, which is kind of fascinating. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever looked at the uh, overall stats and seen if like the Little Caesars is like a shooters arena where everyone does better in. Because I know there are some arenas like that. Um, I've never checked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I will say, looking because I I pull up the stats, I'm kind of looking at it a little bit. A couple of things, I guess. The first thing we can kind of see a good case of that is that the Pistons spend pretty much the entire rest of the season at home um, so I guess we'll get a good chance to kind of see because we've been on this kind of like long stretch of road games Sadiq Bay make five threes a game something where... <laughs> exactly someone issued him the, he, the challenge there on Twitter he, he may very um, well but make I know he, like four a game for the last ten games like he's he's been kind of on pace to do I just want to see yeah It'll be a good chance to see if it's, you know, correlation or um, anything else. But looking, I mean, a lot of the games later in the season have been on the road, at least that he's played in currently. And I just feel like he's someone who he's kind of getting... Right now he's being asked more of and, like, more to do um, than he was at the beginning of the year when he was kind of... when he was on fire, um, where not as much was expected of him, especially in the offense. And then I think that also kind of correlates with if you look farther down at the the home road split in terms of games started, he's only started 16 of his 26 games at home versus 26 of 33 on the road. So I feel like it's also, like he's in the starting lineup, he's being asked to do more versus he was coming off the bench. He was, you know, the second, you know, he was the second string guy, he was playing against second stringers, where he might have had an easier time, you know, playing against people that are a little less talented than him. So those are my to uh, sticks in the ointment. Is that the phrase? Bugs in the ointment? I forget what the phrase is. Um, but we'll, I guess we'll see here at the end of the year with a bunch of home games if he can just you know get on a hot streak and start the, or end the year off right. The phrase is fly in the ointment. Okay, that was close. I had the second time. Close enough. Stick in the mud, I think, is the one I, was, I combined it with. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, have the stick I in think the mud that's in that all game. the things we've seen for this week. You want to shake it up now and do something okay. a little different. To... Yep. Do you want to go through real quick your three things that you want to see in the next week, and then nah. we'll move my uh, my little variation. Give me more Seku. Give me good Hami. <laughs> do you have three things you want to see next week? There, we're done. Well, that was about what I was going to say, which is why I want to <laughs> shake it up. Um, so I have a little bit of a game uh, for us to play. So I have picked out three players on the Pistons roster. Um, that are, at, as of this time, under contract for the next year. And the game I want to play is, what do you think they'd be worth on the open market if they were free agents this offseason? 
So the first one we're going to start out with, of course, is Jeremy Grant, who the Pistons signed on a three-year, $60 million deal this past offseason. He has, his value has shot up exponentially. There's been a lot of, you know, trade talk during the trade deadline about what he could go for um, in terms of a trade. But if Jeremy Grant had decided to sign a one-year deal with the Pistons and he was up to be a free agent this offseason, where do you think um, would kind of be his contract uh, status going into this free agency? Oh, that's hard. I know. Because <laughs> um, I think, I, I think like, he's one of those guys, he's probably worth, like, 28 a year, but he gets maxed. Like, it's like the mm. Tobias Harris thing. Like, Tobias Harris isn't worth a max contract, but he's mm. getting maxed because that's the leverage you need to secure his signature, right? But, like, I think his market value yeah. would be... With that... Like... 75% of a max. So like 28 to 32 somewhere in there. That sound about right to you? With that being said, do you think it'd be I I was put him down right in the 30 to 32-ish range. Um just kind of ballpark him. I would say like that 28 would probably be pretty close as well. Um but do you think that is a value that the Pistons would offer or do you think it's something that another team would come in and offer if in this theoretical <laughs> timeline he was um he signed to the pistons for just one year of this offseason like if he was extension eligible and the pistons offered him 30 million for like three years maybe he takes it but i think in the open market he just gets maxed because like two like okay. two one team is going to come with that bid to start with you know maybe the pistons are like hey if you're going in free agency you know this is what we're going to start with and then immediately the next team is going to be like, yeah, well, we'll give you like 36 and it's over. You know, I, I just, I don't, that's, that's yeah. the thing I don't love about the NBA's contract situation is that as soon as you become basically like a top three guy on any given team, someone is going to overpay you. And the, like the, the league doesn't yet understand how to deal with that. You know, again, Tobias Harris is a great example. Mm -hmm. It's outrageous that Tobias Harris got a max. I mean, get your money. Yep. Uh, not mad at it from Tobias's perspective, but like you can't build a team that way. Yeah, I love Tobias. I'm here for it. Um, Tobias was definitely a very special situation because the 76ers, that money was literally burning a hole in their pocket. They had to sign him. So like I, yeah, but if that De if Detroit hadn't traded him to to uh, L.A. And Detroit had kept him, and he'd made the same yep. improvements he made in L.A., and he was he was shooting over 40% and scoring a bunch. Detroit would have been offering him over $30 million themselves. They would have had to. They couldn't have let that go. Yeah, no. You know, yeah. and that's... No, I agree. That's, I mean, that's kind of some of my justification for the Blake trade was, I mean, what do you want? The Pistons were going to overpay Tobias if we kept him, so... Exactly. It, I... it felt, like, better to take that swing with Blake. So, yeah. No, I agree in that part. And but... again, like... I think saying, Tobias's mm -hmm. value is probably in the like twenty eight range, like maybe even a little less. Like I don't think he's yeah. as good defensively. Like I, I think I would, given my druthers, probably take Jeremy over him by a tiny margin. But you know, it's it is what it is. So yeah, I I would have put the number at like twenty eight to thirty two, yeah. but I would have expected him to get, you know, whatever the max is at this point, which is another like thirty eight something like that yeah wow stonks 
<laughs> um, anyways, moving on. The next player I have on my list. So we went with someone who has definitely, I would say, overplayed what his contract is um, to go kind of the opposite direction. Someone who has definitely underplayed it um, to this point in the year, but he was someone who actually made me think of this game, uh, which is where or what do you think uh, Corey Jackson or Corey Jackson, Corey Joseph would be getting if he was a free agent this offseason? The Pistons had traded for him, and this was the last year of his deal. Uh, well, it kind of is I mean, the last theory, year of his deal. He might deal. actually be. An, uh, and that, <laughs> depending on what they do, he might be. But That is an interesting one. Because I was... Because this was the genesis of it was Corey Joseph is owed what twelve million this offseason, something like that. And I was trying to think of like what what would be an acceptable number that the Pistons would be okay with like keeping him at. I mean, I don't think the Pistons need should pay him, period. But yeah. maybe not the Pistons, but maybe like another team in the scenario. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. He he's giving Detroit right now twelve three and five like that. Those are really good backup numbers. He's overrated, I think, as a defender. Like I think he had a good reputation uh, in San Antonio and in Toronto as that. I don't think he's been nearly that good a defender um, this year. To be fair, I think most of this Pistons team has really not helped him on that. I feel like the Pistons as a whole. Not, I don't know. Like you're they, you they play with really Jeremy Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bay, you should like you have good defenders around you like Corey joseph has played some lineups I mean, with individual defenders i'm not disagreeing he, he's played with like a, a Corey, josh jackson sadiq jeremy grant uh isaiah stewart lineup like that lineup should be a good defensive lineup and you know so i and he hasn't been bad he just hasn't been tj mcconnell which is what i think his reputation was a few years ago you know, there was there was a time where you were playing him because he was a good defensive point guard, and he has not been that. Um, yeah, I I wouldn't give him twelve. I think I mean, the full mid level is probably his max. Yeah, I was thinking somewhere probably eight to ten, but it's like it's not that far off twelve. And I'm like, can you make the argument that the Pistons resign him and try to trade him? I don't think. I don't think that's something the Pistons will do. I don't think it's something the Pistons should do. But I think you can make the argument the way he's been playing. They won't re-sign him. Especially if, offensively. If, uh, if they decide they want him, I think you just keep that contract because at that point, a little more money just makes him easier to oh, like yeah. fit into trades. Like I, yeah, I, th- I was thinking, like, keep him at that contract. Not re-sign him. I'm thinking, like, just if it's that close, if the value you think is 8 to 10, just hold him at 12 and see if you can get a trade. Yeah, well, and I think... I. Like putting him at twelve, I think may actually give you a few more options than putting him at like the eight mid level exception range. Um, yeah, like it's it's I mean, it it's one of those things where like sometimes having like a, weird contracts yeah, is yeah. an advantage. So like uh, a Jeremy plus Corey Joseph gets you up to thirty two. Like that actually is is a a number that you can trade for a star. I don't know that you have any reason to we talked about mm-hmm. this earlier i don't want to make any weird wild trades but um you know every dollar counts sometimes in that and that's the difference between having to toss in a a, a youngster versus not in some of these trades so um but yeah i don't want to see him back uh not because he's been bad but because i don't need him um i'd rather sign uh 
Yeah. Like I'd rather have other people in his place. Like I would rather have the like Jose Calderon, Steve Blake style third point guard to like be a veteran that never plays than the Corey Joseph who like mm-hmm. does like if Corey Joseph's on the team and he's playing as well as he is, um, you know, he he has earned twenty to twenty six minutes a night because he's there and that's you know it is a meritocracy and that's you you kind of have earned that uh and i just you know the the tanking mentality is you don't sign that guy so you don't have that guy earning that (laughs) yeah just a curiosity right now like i feel like from what i've heard delon wright has not been the best in sacramento like people are kind of underwhelmed with him do we win that trade straight up? Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you think? Do you think it, the it turns out that like, like, can we just? It turns out that Corey Joseph around? was absolutely dogging it there because he hated it, and uh, <laughs> yeah. it sounds like Delon Wright also hates it because Sacramento is like they're outperforming. I think uh, as a what is it, what are they like a four hundred team right now? I think they're pretty vastly outperforming their coaching and roster construction. I don't think they're outperforming their talent level. Like, I think if you put all those players together from like a two K rating standpoint, I think you probably have a decent team. But <laughs> like, as a collective, I don't think the Kings make sense. I think Luke Walton is not a good coach. Period. Um, it's shocking to me that he had the like sex assault allegations two years ago, and they just kind of got painted over, and he became he's kept being a coach. Uh, yeah, it's wild. Yeah, very kings. I mean, all is right in the world when the kings are very, very weird. <laughs> just fits just right. All right, was that the last right. one? You wanna? Nope, I got one more. I got one more. Three. One more. So three Sorry. things. Come on. We spent a lot of time on Corey Joseph. All right. So... <laughs> we we did. We spent more time on Corey Joseph than I expected, but I'm happy we did. Um, so the last one is another person, I'm sure you can guess who it is, that the Pistons brought in um, last offseason, and that is Josh Jackson, who we smartly, and I give kudos to the uh, front office, we signed him on a two-year deal worth a little under $10 million. And I think, in my opinion, he's outperformed that contract, and especially some of these games recently where he's kind of exploded for like 20, 25, 30 points. Where do you think that he would be in this offseason in terms of what kind of contract I think he See, here's the thing. I think most of the stuff that's happened on this team has been, like, honest stats. And I think Josh Jackson's the guy who's doing oh. the, the good stats, bad team thing. He's the one that really stands out in that regard. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't think I would have – I would be – jumping out of my seat to pay him much more than six to eight million personally like he's 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 mm-hmm. earned a little more than what he's making but like i know there are some people who are seeing him score 20 and get like highlight blocks and think he's been like the second or third best player on the team and for the most part he's just the guy doing a lot of shit and if i were putting him on like the lakers I don't know that he's like getting constant rotation minutes over some other guys. So um, yeah, it's 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 a tough one because like he he is better than what he was in Phoenix. Like he's he's very clearly proven that he's an NBA guy, uh, 
But, you know, this idea of Josh being like a 20 point, uh, eight or like 26 and three guy is what he's averaging per 36 this year in Detroit. And I just don't see that on a contender because it's coming at mediocre efficiency. Um, you know, 52% true shooting percentage, even giving him credit for, you know, doing a lot of work on a bad team is pretty bad. Um, you know, his three point percentage is fluctuating like crazy. Um, he's down to 30% and that's actually after a recent uptick. Um, you know, he's still only shooting 73% from the line, so like his touch hasn't just leapt off the page or anything. I just don't see... I don't know that Josh is anything other than the guy you bring off the bench to give your second unit some juice. Um, and so, I, yeah, I'd have a hard time giving him... Like, maybe I go as far as the mid-level exception for him. And I think even that is more than I'd really want to go. Mm-hmm. So, I do want to kind of point out some things. Josh Jackson, despite what everyone thinks, is still only 23 years old. Or, excuse me, I think he just turned 24. So he's still only 24 years old. He's still got... He's still not to his prime yet. He's still got a little bit more time. He is... You're correct that he has been kind of up and down very much this year. Uh, but I think it in his best games... He's looked really good. He's looked like someone who can score the basketball, maybe more than we expected. Especially because he came into the NBA being thought of as like, oh, he's going to be a defensive guy. He's going to bring all these this defense as well. The offense will kind of we'll kind of see. So I'd be curious to see him in the right situation, which I feel like Detroit is still not the right situation. Like we talked about the Spurs earlier, I would love to see Josh Jackson on the Spurs. Like I think he kind of fits that. I guess that character that can really improve but like you said he's had a very up and down year especially in shooting and I think you make a pretty good case that yeah a lot of this might be just smoke and mirrors that he's getting a lot of shots on a bad team you look at all his percentages they they are right where he's at his entire career like his true shooting percentage is up he's doing a little bit better um hitting twos but he's taking more threes to kind of outweigh that um so I mean there's definitely both sides of the coin I think he would he would definitely garner more money in this offseason just because of the amount of games he's played and he showed that he will you know if he's healthy he will show up and he'll be a contributing NBA player which I don't think he really had that many examples of especially last year when he was in Memphis and he was playing in the G League and like you said he's, he's proven he can be an NBA player which for someone with kind of his talent level for somebody who's like 6'7", six, 6'8", six, like he fits the part of an NBA player I think he would get close to the mid-level. I don't I don't necessarily think he's going to get over that, but I think he would get in that range um, just because of his, you know, the potential that he brings alone. So, Well, here's, could, here's some context for you. I can see both sides of that um, argument. You know, look at, like, the Morris brothers. They've, they've never really made a crazy amount of money. You know, Markeef is, like, topped out at, like, $8 million. Um... <laughs> curious where marcus well that was a whole thing you, um, and obviously their contracts are weird forget the, because they the, split it but like you know even marcus <laughs> right now is at a 15 million dollar contract and i think that's kind of where i mm-hmm. see the upper end of josh jackson is like he's a bit of a gunner uh 
he can be an impactful defender. I think he's overrated defensively. Um, I think probably by a lot of people, like the highlight blocks and some of the steals and stuff make you think he's doing really good. His, his positional awareness isn't always great. Um, he's not like the best mm-hmm. stopper I've ever seen one-on-one. Um, so like, and I, I just, I don't see him being a guy that starts a, on a contender. And if you don't start on a contender, you know, like maybe there's a team out there that gives you, you know, 12 million a season, but you're probably not getting 12 million a season on a good team. You're getting it to do this role right now, which is yeah. to put up a shit ton of shots on a really mediocre team. Uh, the team that I was looking for more would be like that in between making the playoffs, that like fringe playoff team was kind of like the one that I would be looking for in this scenario. So looking like like someone like my Wizards. Yeah, well, I was I was literally just looking like at the Wizards being like, like yeah, yeah, sure, so the like, Wizards would give him 26 minutes a night and like 14 <laughs> shots. Yeah. I don't think that, like, but and maybe like, they're willing to pay him for that. I just, you know. That's I don't value a player personally. Uh, I don't want to value a player's market by what mistakes somebody's going to make. You know that's that's like we said earlier with like Jeremy I mean, Grant. You know I think his value is in the the like twenty eight to thirty two range. I also think he would end up getting maxed because that's just how the market works. I think Josh's value is in the six to eight range, and somebody might pay more. But I don't think it's going to work out for him. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. You want to move on to the prospect of the week? Okay. What's the prospect? Who is it? All right. So this one, um, I decided to continue with kind of a more controversial theme, and that is going to be Jalen Johnson, the freshman from Duke. So, uh,. <laughs> It's story time, I Your think. Your brain just broke a little bit there. It's uh, it's story time. And and here's, you know, normally I don't love doing, I, I think you know this at least, and I, I think a lot of people, I don't like the, like, mentality talk ever. Uh, I think it's a largely bullshit. I think for the most part, when people talk about mentality, what they're really talking about is a lack of education. Like, I look at, like, a, a guy like Seku, and I say, that's a kid who doesn't yet know what to do. And therefore, he looks lost, and people blame that on him and not on coaching. And I think that that tends to be more on coaching than it is on the player. In Jalen Johnson's case, though, I need to talk about the player in that sense a little bit because he quit Duke halfway through the season. He had a foot injury that may or may not have been that serious, and then he left. He quit his... AAU team and his high school team and and like transferred multiple times is my understanding and so there's a an opinion that has been parroted pretty heavily among the scout people that you know like uh, I think Sam Vecini is a guy I've heard talk about this on his podcast and his pieces and there's a couple of other uh, guys like that where it's just like it sounds like NBA front offices are really not sure if this guy is willing to like fight for anything and as soon as the going gets tough, he mm. seems to just kind of be like, all right, I'm out. And that is yeah. a concern because it's not just a guy who like, it's not like say a, a Ben Simmons who like left 
college after doing his season to go work out and like he got a lot of like flack from like radio shock jocks about that and like no that's all bullshit it's a that's a kid who mm-hmm. like knew he was going pro and wanted to go pro and like this is a guy who who changed his high school there's no question he was going number one um <laughs> uh, this is a guy who like changed his high school team because his high school didn't win the title the first year or whatever and that's that's just strange um as far as the player goes also a weird player <laughs> it's really hard <laughs> to put Jalen Johnson in a box because like he's Jason Tatum sized and that sounds really cool you're like okay you have a 6'9 dude who's 220 good wingspan um, handles the ball theoretically good three point shooter um, Jalen Johnson is a, is a pretty good passer I think he uh, this Duke team sucked and this was a very badly coached Duke team from uh, Coach K this year I think it was actually kind of embarrassing how badly coached they were this year. But, like, Jalen Johnson is a good passer. At the same time, Jalen Johnson is a player who, like, drifts in and out of games, who doesn't always make the right play, who just racked up turnovers and personal fouls. He is 6'9 and 220, and sometimes he shows great athletic pop, and sometimes it looks like he's stuck in the mud. So I don't know if it's a lack of, like, functional athleticism and he has like a biomechanical issue i don't know if it's he's not trying um he shot 44 percent from three on pretty low volume but he's a 63 percent free throw shooter also on low volume so which one of those is the lie is it the free throw shooting is the lie or the (laughs) three-point shooting i don't know what he shot in high school actually i should look that up but like one of the two is wrong and usually we lean towards free throw shooting for prospects um he has a very wonky form and i mean part of that's got to be he's barely played like he it was yeah he shortened he played he played 13 minutes and he played 21 minutes or he played 13 games and 21 minutes a game when he played that's not a lot um so you just overall you have this guy where like if jalen johnson like comes to detroit And he gets crazy buy-in from Dwayne Casey. And it turns out that maybe he's a better shooter. Like, I I need to say this. His three-point shot is not pretty. He's got a weird shot. It's like a set shot. It's not one he's going to be shooting off the dribble. It's kind of like a a Tyrese Halliburton situation where maybe it's efficient, but he's going to, like, have to, like, really pick and choose his spots to get it off. Um, So, like, maybe you get great buy-in. Maybe a few of these, like, positive markers turn out good. And you have, like, one of those, um, who's the kid in Denver? And his name is escaping me right now. Um, Porter. The kid like, maybe you have this Michael um, Porter Jr. Porter? situation Porter. where you have this, like, guy who had this, like, rocky college career and a lot of questions. And it turns out he's just awesome. Could also be that you just have a total bust. Like, I, I think the... I wouldn't... I don't know. Maybe it's because I was in... <laughs> Maybe it's because I was in Kansas City at the time, but I feel like Michael Porter Jr. was still, like, up until he got hurt, and it was back issues. Back issues caused him to drop more in the draft. Well, ab- absolutely. I'm else. just saying, like... Not a lack of college career or anything else like that. Like, there were still a lot of questions. <laughs> I don't think that's a good comparison. Because he never played in college. Yeah. So, like, people were like, what happened? And, and I'm just saying, like, it could just be that this guy comes out, and, like, all these questions get answered. 
all the good stuff is true, all the bad stuff isn't true, and he's great. Like, he has a very wide mm. range of outcomes. Um, you know, you are yeah. you are looking at a guy where, like, he could eventually be a 6'9 dude who can handle the ball in pick and rolls, um, you know, who can uh, shoot threes, especially off the catch, and... Um, you know, do a lot of giving, uh, not give and go, but like grab and go off rebounds, leading your transition attack. You know, a, a really positive guy. He could be a guy. I don't know if he's got the, um, like top scorer on a good team star potential, but like he could be a guy who's a, a three, you know, second or third guy on a, a really legitimate team. He could also just bust out. Like there are some, some weird red flags for him. So he's a guy that kind of on yeah, my I big think, board for Detroit is just like be- a nah, I'll pass. But there might be somebody who like is, is willing he- to take that gamble and it works out awesome for them. Like he's he's a guy I kind of expect to slide into like the sixteen range. And then um you know, let me check the mock draft just to, so like he's he's a guy like maybe OKC takes him with like their seventeenth pick and it turns out that like yeah, he's a freaking whiz kid. And, you know, they're a team that has picks to spare on gambles like that. Or maybe, like, the Celtics at 16 yeah. take them, because why wouldn't you try another wing like that when you've already got a Jason Tatum to back him up? But Yeah, I would say he definitely kind of feels... In terms of Michael Porter Jr., I, I agree that he could fall like Porter did. Um, I, don't, I think it's for different reasons, but... I could definitely see him sliding out of the lottery very easily because there's not just like necessarily just red flags, but just a lot of question marks, a lot of a lot of uncertainty, and especially I mean, some of those lottery teams, especially towards the end where he'd probably be getting drafted, are teams that they want to kind of make a push to the playoffs. You look at you look at like <laughs> like a Warriors team. I don't I wouldn't expect them to get them with their to draft him with a lottery pick the Wizards, the Pacers, like like a lot of these teams are like are more in a win now and try and get to the playoffs than see if this guy works out whatever he may be. Would you agree that he's probably the most volatile, like potential lottery pick? At least in terms of talent? Uh, like he could be yeah, really he's, good. He's, he way, really he's way up there. Um, I don't, I don't know who else is even contending for that award. Um, just, just because, like, the, the other thing, again, like, I don't think his shot is mechanically pretty or anything. So, like, there's there's going to be some stuff that he might have to work out, even for, for his best outcomes. There's probably going to be some some kinks to, to work out. Um, like, the other guy that and we've talked about is, like, Davion Mitchell is currently being projected in the lottery by a lot of people. And, like, I, I just... We we talked about that. I think there's there's a chance that Davion Mitchell just Wild. is nowhere near the player people think. Um, but Jalen Johnson is easily the guy where like he has a ceiling where his his like NBA two K rating is like an eighty eight overall, and he has a floor where his NBA two K rating is not in the league. You know seventy one. Yeah, I was gonna say not available. <laughs> uh, you know, there, there there's a chance that it's you know twenty twenty seven and Jalen Johnson is playing in China. And it's just, it's a weird thing. You don't like to say that about lottery players, but I find him very confusing. Um, and I, I think I'd probably just dodge 
that one for the time being. He he is not like even remotely a guy that I think Troy Weaver is interested in. Um, so there's that. Yeah. Important important piece of information. <laughs> yeah, like I. I Troy Weaver's like really big on character guys and really big on like athleticism and like projectable talents and uh you know like Troy Weaver very clearly has this like matrix of um like ceiling and work ethic that he puts together and he's willing to take gambles on a guy like Hamadou Diallo because he knows that like if everything works out uh Hami could be like an all-star because he's crazy athletic and all that stuff and like Hami is a noted hard-working high character guy that's that's a very Troy Weaver thing and like Jalen Johnson again we've said maybe I'm casting aspersions maybe he's a great kid but there's a lot of questions about him from a character standpoint and also he's not that kind of athlete that just like jumps off the page like I don't think he's a Troy Weaver guy Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I couldn't really see him being a piston um, in that regard, but just based on, like, who Troy Weaver's gone on in the past, but in terms of, like, the position and skill with pistons do kind of fall down that draft order if we, you know, win some games, close out the year, and just get the usual pistons luck in a lottery. Like, I'd be curious to see where he would be at on that board. Hopefully we don't have to worry about that, but... I think he's, I think I think he's, he's definitely he's those... well behind Scotty Barnes. Let's put it that way. Like you, you okay. like I, I. We haven't talked about Scotty yet. I think he's well behind Scotty Barnes. Um, I think I think a guy like James Booknight is probably higher. I think Franz Wagner might be higher on the board than Jalen Johnson. Um, a guy like Keon Johnson is probably higher on the board than Jalen Johnson. So yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Anything else you got before we close up shop? No, once again, uh, just repeating the admin, we did change podcast hosts and everything, so like, if something is weird, let us know. Uh, I will try and fix it. So, yep. anyway, we will talk to people. You know where to find us? At Infamous Web? Or, excuse, no, what, what am I? I'm at Not the Fake Webby, at Halbertius. Yeah. yeah. You know where to find us? Indeed. And I think, actually, you can like comment cut on the like, Anchor's page now. I think we have like a, an actual like podcast Ooh. page and everything. But anyway, yeah, we will see okay, people next week. So, <laughs> goodbye. You can fight Jake in the comments. <laughs> I bring the smoke. Fair warning. <laughs> he thinks that. Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.